Speech. Welcome. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Goddamn speech. I thought about writing a speech for you motherfuckers because this is the thing you're making me do now. Now I have to give a goddamn speech. Not enough that I prepare all these notes and I do all this fucking editing and I do all this shit. Now I've got to make a speech. Well, here's your speech, motherfuckers. We're going to knock this out of the park. And I'm saying that from the film. Nothing was written there. Welcome to Reverse Psychology, the Frasier Rewatch podcast where we go backwards for every episode of the show. Tonight, we are covering Season 10, Episode 14, Daphne Does Dinner, which originally aired on February 11th, 2003. Is this when Daphne does dinner? We'll find out. I'm your host, Curtis Yak. Joining me as always, it's a resident upside downer, it's Ryan Sansone. Curtis, I'm here, I'm ready to do dinner, I'm excited. Also with us today is our caterer, it's Bradley Kirkston. What up, what up, what up? They call me B-Reezy from Alabeezy because I'm so smooth on the mic like you would never handle. What up, homies? So we couldn't get Hannah, huh? Had, had to stick with the help. <laughs> I'm back! And I do, like, thank you for calling me a caterer. You know, like, if I wasn't in my current career, it'd be number four on my list of possible jobs. So I I appreciate that. You would be so, so bad at catering. You can't, you don't, you don't hold things well. We do not need to dwell on him as a caterer. He said it'd be number four on the list. We need to hear the, the list. What is I mean, the list? I want to hear top five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, obviously, number one, if I wasn't my current job as a summer camp director, I'd be an offensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens. Duh. Everyone knows <laughs> that. No notes. No questions. Number two is probably a job that most people would say I'd actually be good at, and that is a cruise ship employee. Yeah. I'm very chipper. I'm very, like, fun. You're excessively annoying. Yeah. People get sick of me after a week and can leave. Like, yeah, it's, like, a perfect job for me. Your normal outfits fit the the cruise ship vibe. (laughs) Correct. You would also just really enjoy the captive audience. Like, that would be great for you. Yes, 100%. Nobody loves me except for me. (laughs) Number three, and the one that's like me going back to my roots a little bit, going back to being a Target team member. Oh, oh. You, so wait, wait, wait. You, after college, you went back to your high school and elementary school, like summer camp, and spent the rest of your life working there. And you're saying <laughs> you're your next choice in line, if you couldn't be a, a linebacker or whatever. Lineman. Sorry. Oh, sorry. It matters so much. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> And, and this is why. And, and our audience is about to get something that it's very lucky. You ready? Here we go. Attention target team members. The time is now 9.45 and your target store will be closing in 15 minutes. Please make your final selections and bring them to your registers located at the front of the store. Thank you for shopping at Target and have a great day. How do you remember all that? You can never remember my own name. I have no idea. It's one of my weird skills that I can still do. That I, I randomly at camp during lunch, I just randomly grab the microphone and do it. And a bunch of five-year-olds stare at me like, what is this guy doing? That's correct. It's correct response i'm sorry you have to deal with them five-year-olds is that a skill i don't think it's a skill <laughs> i think it's a bad party trick a really bad party trick yeah literally when you want the party to end that's the trick you pull out <laughs> hence hence my accrues would be good for me because people get sick of me after a week was that five i think you owe us one one more oh and then the fifth one would be a professional podcaster where curtis does all the work and i just come and talk so you're living that dream <laughs> <laughs> i like that your dream does require curtis to do the work like we yeah. could get a producer OC. 100%. I love how insulting it is that this thing that I'm already doing for free for you, you can't even notch it up to a, a, your second dream, your third. Like, this is so far down your list. It's behind his old job. And you'd rather go to Target. 
<laughs> then do what we're doing right now. It shows. It shows in the work. <laughs> All right, boys. We've got some business we got to take care of before we dive into this episode. Yes. Yes, please. You may remember before Christmas break that we played a game where each of us was revealing things that we kind of learned a little bit late in life and comparing how old each of us was when we learned these things. And we we hadn't quite settled on how to determine who won and or lost. But we knew the, the what the loser would get. The loser would have to sing an opera on the next episode. And uh, I do apologize to our, our loyal listeners because uh, Brad was not able to attend and Hannah was here in his stead. Uh, we were not able to follow up on that last week, but Brad's back. I'm back. So I went through and I averaged out each of our ages for each of the things we talked about. Brad, despite yourself, you actually have the youngest average age of all the activities we discussed at 12.8 years old on average. You know oh what? It, it does not surprise me because... What was the I, thing you learned at like 45? It was not 45. <laughs> and it was it was how to wear your socks properly. It, and it's, <laughs> it was it's, shockingly late. Yes, it was. Here's the thing. it's I haven't learned things so late in Life, I've just learned the weirdest things very late in life. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Ryan, yeah. you came in very closely with an average age of 13. Oh, wow. But I blew all of you out of the water <laughs> with an age of 15.3. Oh, wow. I'm a late bloomer. Can I can I bring up a bonus one? It's not something that I happen to me, but it's something that my friend realized later in life. No. At the age of 12, I'm going to say the age first, my friend did not know that women pooped. What? <laughs> his, his mom had to legit <laughs> sit down with him and be like you know that women poop right and he did not believe it to the fact that they had to go to a psychiatrist so the psychiatrist could explain to him that women really do poop what wait wait a minute how did this even arrive at a conversation that needed to be had what was he doing and saying that led to an intervention on this mom it must be so nice with all that free time you have from not pooping essentially that's what it is his mom's like i'm gonna go to the bathroom and he's like all right you'll be back in a second all you're doing is peeing and she's like what are you talking about he's like well women don't poop and then at 12? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. That's his side of the story. I wasn't there. That's him defending himself? He was real weird back then. What What do you mean? He just wasn't cool like he is That's now. not, it was a joke. Obviously he was weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want to, I have so many more questions. Is that really something you need psychiatric help for? When a person tells you, oh, women do poop and the reaction is, no, that's not the case. I do not believe <laughs> you. I think it's time to get professional help. Yes, that might it be. It depends how it was teed up. You you know, at some point you get told doesn't deliver presents down a chimney and some people don't react well right away because their parents the whole time told them that. That still usually happens before the age of 12. That's a different matter. <laughs> and Ryan, I will remind you this is a family-friendly podcast and we're not spoiling for all the children of the world who listen to this. Yeah. The truth about Santa. Fair enough. I Hopefully this hopefully this makes you feel a lot better about uh, what you're about to do, Curtis. Genuinely, the thing that I am most embarrassed by and disinterested in ever doing, like I don't do karaoke, I don't like <laughs> Singing. When I was in elementary school, we had a school play and I was in the choir. You had to be. It was the requirement. It was like, if you're not a part, you're in the choir. And I lip synced the whole thing. No, you Ashley Simpson? Wow. I would not do it. I just was so uncomfortable with the idea of actually singing. In a choir? Yeah. No one can even usually key in on your voice in a choir. I know. I now present to you my opera. I'm so excited. Oh, no. I'm. I'm oh, God. This is so you embarrassing. Do it, you can do it. 
How about a nice pill-shaped feature whiskers to behave? Lots of lather, lots of soap. Please hold still. Don't be a dope. Now we're ready for a scraping. There's no use to try escaping. Yell and scream and rant and rave. There's no use. You need a shave. Ouch, 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 Oh, well done, buddy. Little Bugs Bunny for you. I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of the direction you went in. Yeah, I don't know if that qualifies as an opera, but I'm I'm proud of you. Good work. Also, your singing voice isn't nearly as bad for someone who is lip-syncing in a choir. Yeah, no thanks. No, thank you. Well, should we mercifully pivot to the episode? Can you sing us into the next bit? No. We open with an elevator going up the Space Needle. We get our first title card, Dinners at the Cranes, already in progress. A woman slaps Frasier, a caterer storms off, and Marty missed his chance to play the count. A loose goat rounds out Frasier's simple dinner party. I loved they started with a scene already in motion. That was awesome. Hell of a start. I loved it. I did not love it because I thought for sure this was a two-parter we'd stumbled across. And I was like, oh no, I didn't warn Ryan not to yeah. not to watch the previously on. It was not a previously on. I I love that it was insane. I love that it was really not needed for any reason. I love how over the top it was. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this scene. I think it was a good use of title card to really, really make it feel like, oh, did I did I accidentally start the middle of an episode? How is that even possible on Hulu? This is this is crazy. Uh, yeah. And then you, and Frasier gets slapped. So like, it's perfect. That's exactly how I want to start a show. Please, 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 please put this scene in, uh, in this title card in the nomination list for best title cards we've had so far. Yes, please do that. Please submit okay. that one. What is this database you've got? <laughs> me managing now oh for the award show for the award show yeah for the season 10 award show i agree yeah also best slap throw that in the nomination pool just a quick aside here for courtney who's uh, hopefully listening go ahead and set up that <laughs> uh, database there and keep track of these things as they come thank you i just thought this scene was simplicity itself well i okay there's something big i want to talk about during the scene okay so do it ben corbett's toupee how do you guys feel about that who's pen corbett niles does the flambe thing and it sets this guy's toupee on fire and and then he throws it in the in the water with the lobsters it's a it's a bit who's ben corbett whoever the guest was that they had who had a toupee on i don't know why brad's highlighting him like he's an important figure (laughs) oh but yeah obviously i liked it so this is interesting for the upside down this scene in general i feel like for some reason i did know cranes don't throw parties well i'm not sure we've seen it yet though i was trying to think about that too i do think they've thrown a couple like small parties they did the baby shower even when there hasn't been a party they definitely made off-collar one-hand jokes about them like their parties being disastrous. They've definitely made jokes like that. Yes, they have. We get another title card. It's a chandelier. Daphne convinces Niles that she should co-host his next dinner party instead of Fraser. She also bullies a contractor to rush the installation of a new chandelier. Is Niles and Daphne's dining room new? Did they lose it for season 11? Where did this thing come from? I feel like we've been to Niles' apartment way more in season 10 than we did in all of season 11, so it kind of makes sense that you're seeing more of the apartment in this season. Definitely. I apologize what dining room? What are we talking about? He means the kitchen. No, no, isn't it? There's like a dining table and there's like some artwork. You mean the living room? What are you talking about? No, there's a dining room that I don't think was in the next season. Oh, okay. I do see what you're referring to. If you picture Brad, the main room with the big stairs in the background and all the book, that's like the living room. Off to the corner by the stairs is a, a nook with yes, a table yes, that yes, we but- haven't focused on. I think it's just been hidden in the background, but I don't oh, think it's okay. new. I don't think okay. it existed before. I, okay. I think that's fair. I think okay. It may not have made it on screen before, and it certainly wouldn't have been a focal point. Correct. So, was there more you wanted to say, Ryan, or just you were surprised <laughs> to see a new set that you hadn't seen before? I mean, it's not my only comment for the scene, but I was just like, 
what is this? Where would this even be? My comment for the scene and really the whole episode is where to go Daphne on having a real role. I also said way to go. No, not only did she she have a role, she fought for that role. Yeah, for sure. She was definitely the A plot for the first time in possibly the whole series. So I don't think we've ever seen her a focal point before. Yeah. Definitely not from the upside down perspective. That's what I mean, from the upside down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, you know what, Frazier? I can be terrible at hosting dinner parties like you. Good on you, Daph. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 exciting. And it's she's so lively when she's given something to do. There's so much going on when she is allowed to be in the in the scene. That's a double win for her, right? Because she then puts the the contractor in place. Oh, yeah. You know, whether whether or not she wins that is one thing, but <laughs> she was unfazed by the authoritative tool belt. You gotta give it to her. And especially for me, somebody who's an expert with accents, anytime her accent gets going, it's so entertaining and it's so funny. Jumping back to the beginning of the scene when Niles is talking to the contractor. How goes the installation? Well, we had to put in a transformer for the DC. So after we pull the wires, brace the beam, she'll be ready to roll. Ah, yeah. yeah he, has a, he has a good line where he clearly doesn't know what's happening. He appreciated that they knew what they were doing, but could care less with what they were doing. Yeah. So yeah, good, good start. At the coffee shop, Frazier is percolating with party ideas. When Niles lets him down easy, he takes it hard. I was getting a little nervous that there wasn't a coffee shop scene in this episode. So when the coffee shop came, I felt good. That gets you nervous? You need to stop by Cafe Nervosa? I think I would be even weirder than usual if we had a whole episode without the coffee shop. I think I'd be off my game. Wow. What is you on your game? for the record would love to see you off your game yeah i've been on my game in every episode so we'll see what it so hopefully the coffee shop continues to do what it does spoken eloquently like a man who's on his game no for sure (laughs) could you curtis could you even imagine brad missing a beat saying something incorrect not being able to pronounce the name of his favorite place it was emotional scene him breaking the news to his brother i teared up a little bit i like frazier just straight up being unrepentantly bitchy about it like he's just like fuck you i thought now handled himself very well too yeah he just he, he doesn't rub it in and he doesn't belabor it he just says it very simply and and takes the the verbal beating that Fraser gives him i think we can all agree that we're glad that daphne was talked out of the piccadilly beef that can't possibly oh. have been good for anyone yeah curtis can you explain to us what that is please 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 those sad brown chunks that make their way from plate to napkin bypassing mouth completely i looked it up because i was i knew you curious. would was not even questioning that for a second did you make something to try as far as i can tell it does not exist if you know what it is and it's a real thing please write to us at reverse psych pad at gmail.com pay no attention to that man behind the curtain Frazier's reaction to Daphne saying that it's going to be a buffet is, I think, one of my favorite Frazier moments we've had so far. Yeah. We gave Niles a lot of credit for his poise in reacting to Frazier's pettiness. But Daphne, the way she holds her own when she just says very firmly, it's going to be a buffet, knowing how he's going to react. <laughs> I love that. Say? Oh, good. She was ready. She knew she was going to get a reaction out of her brother-in-law. I mean, it's an incorrect stance by Frazier, but, you know, she knew what she was getting into. Well, wait a minute. You're the man who doesn't even like a buffet. No, no. Yeah, this I said, conversation. I said that's not what you do for Thanksgiving. I like a buffet, though. Okay. The whole, like, Jelly Fraser thing is just great. He's so jelly. What are you saying? Oh, jealous. jealous. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I gotta be the hip, cool one on the show. I thought you meant, like, there was a weird reference to Jelly and he handled himself well or something. No. My mistake. If you should need any help, you know my phone number. Number three on our speed dial. Number three. Interesting. 
Who's number two, Mar- Marty? This is like the early 2000s. These, they're probably talking about a landline, right? So, oh, wait, so, so wait, Daphne's not been an option. That's Who's one and two? Maybe her mom. Although she lives with them too. What a slight that would be, even if it was, even <laughs> if she wasn't living with them. You know what? So it's funny. My mom's in her house. She still has the landline that I grew up with. There's a bunch of buttons on it for different speed dials. And they're all written in pencil. And, and you can see all of them are out of date. Like none of them are, because the, they're all landlines to like family members that don't have landlines anymore. The very first thing on it was poison control. So nice. that's a good one. That's a really yeah. good one. So, I mean, Respect. maybe that's number one on their list. Poison control. What's number two? Well, that would be Marty. And then number three is Frasier. Terrible decision. I don't think Frasier should be number in, in the top three either. But if Marty's number two, that's also a problem. It'd be hilarious if number two was like Roz. No, Kenny. Nobody likes Kenny. As Daphne prepares for the party, Roz's daughter Alice draws her name on the painting destined for a museum. Roz heads to an art restorer while Daphne calls in Fraser for help. Okay, what is going on with this kid at this apartment? What is happening? I don't understand why she's just here for no reason. They have not really used Alice so well, so I think they're just like, oh, let's just we, have this We only start. see her in Niall's apartment. What yeah. is happening? I will defend this move. I think that this is obviously there's some plot setup happening here, but also I think that it's showing like Roz and Daphne have they're genuine friends. Like they obviously know each other through Frasier, but they are friends without Frasier yeah. and they're hanging out. God forbid we have a scene with them talking. No, we right. just have to have the kid there. Well, I'm saying the kid is there because Roz doesn't like, she'd have to get a sitter to go hang with Daphne. No, she just brings her kid along and she draws while they chat. That makes sense. The next time we see it, Roz isn't in the apartment with them. It's just the kid. Daphne was babysitting. <laughs> this is setting, Why? this is foreshadowing to future babysitting. <laughs> So weird. Yeah, it, it all comes full circle. It's a weird circle they're drawing. I hope draw it. That would make sense. Okay, so can we talk about how garbage the art is? Is that like supposed to be humorous, or is do people actually think that was good? The the painting itself was shockingly weird and and dumb looking. Yeah, like are they doing that as like a commentary on art, or is there like in the art world art like that? Obviously, they wouldn't get a real painting, but like, is that a mock up of a real piece of art that people love? What I thought is just like the producers kind of did a crappy job of filling that. I feel like they could have gotten a nicer art. They were just like, yeah, let's just put this piece of crap on TV. This, like this one was so it was like, it was it was bad. Like, if a middle schooler did it, you wouldn't yeah. praise them, you know? Like, you'd be like, all right, well, well, you have this now. There wasn't anything charming about it. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't know what that choice was. Also, don't know why we just spent five minutes talking about it, but, you know, we'll see. This is crazy. It's a weird choice to make. After Alice ruins the painting, there's, like, smoke. What she was cooking in the oven has caught fire and is ruined. He calls Frasier to say, hey, I need your help. He's way ahead of her. He has decided I'm going to prepare a meal for them because he knows she's going to screw it up. And when he pulls it out of the oven, you can hear the sound effect of it sizzling. So it's got to be hot and it just came out of the oven. But he wraps it in tinfoil with his bare hands. And this (laughs) happens throughout the episode where what should be very hot things on stoves are just room temperature. And I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm glad you brought this up because it's something I thought about it too. And the only solution I have to this is Frasier can do anything and he has special powers. Well, we know it's a magic kitchen when it comes to noise. Yeah. Maybe it also has some kind of weird heat damping abilities. No, just Fraser hands. Fraser's hands. Mannheim and Steamroller. They just really make sure that nothing gets hot. That's, I mean, that is a weird logistics issue. But my bigger problem, Roz was a mess in this scene. This is not the Roz we've seen 
any other episode. Like once that painting gets messed up, she does not handle it well. Well, because it, it's an expensive painting, apparently. That's that's fine, but Ross is she's the same person that got Niles Crane fully naked out of Cafe Nervosa without even hesitating. Well, wait a minute. I'm going to push back on this. What exactly does she do that's so out of characterly a mess? She was like frantic and stuff. For like 10 seconds though. That's not a 10 seconds I've seen out of her before. She reacts to what has been done by her daughter. Daphne has a solution at hand. She takes the card and then they see a fire happening and she like damps the, she throws a wet towel on the fire to put the fire out. Like I don't think she's wildly losing it. You're leaving out some franticness. Okay. Also, I only wrote Roz is falling apart, so I don't fully remember what I was referring to, but <laughs> I will I will grant you that compared to the nerves of steel Roz we get most of the time, this is a, a step down. But I, I think for a normal person, she's acted perfectly rationally here. That's not who we're dealing with here. We're dealing with Roz. Okay. Obviously Fraser would be a mess. He is even even when things are going kind of well for him. We get another title card. Someone in the kitchen with Daphne. Fraser comes to help in the kitchen, but for some reason, it has to be a secret from Niles, who is giving a tour to the first guests. Gert welcomes the next guests, who include the painter, Mike Shaw. She successfully flirts with him. Can, can I say a comment before we start the scene? And this <laughs> sure. is pretty controversial. You're not going to like it, but I'm sorry. I have to say it. This could, this could be so, so many things. Saving the day, Fraser is the most obnoxious Frasier we get. Mm. I just had to say it. I love it. Actually, this is like, we know Frasier's obnoxious. He leans into it when he's saving the day, like, especially in this fashion. Yes. Especially when he pre-offered and she turned him down and then came to him. I disagree with you. I think that while this version of Frasier is very full of himself and obnoxious, at least he is genuinely helping or trying to help. I feel like the version of Frasier that is caught in trying to get what he wants and trying to like when he when he tries to abandon Anne and go on another date like that's the worst version of him when he's like being purely selfish how about this curtis will you take this as one of my nominations for the best fraser for the award show will you just write it down for us courtney you got that great okay you you want him to give him best fraser nomination now nomination for the worst fraser sorry i said that you said weird. you said best well, guess what? Guess what? He can edit it out. So pretend like I you guys, just said it. Guys, don't worry about this. Courtney's going to figure it all out. This is on <laughs> so to comment on your point of uh, Niles can't know for some reason, I don't fully get why Frazier is helping Daphne in this way. It doesn't really make sense. He was slighted. No, because then he could say that she asked him for help. It's all about being able to one-up somebody. This is literally the last time him and Daphne speak. So on the one hand, Fraser, like you said, Brad, wants bragging rights that he saved the day. But then the next question is, so why is he hiding? Why isn't he like flaunting that he's there? Uh, yeah. But the answer to that question is that he knows how bad his dinner parties usually go. And he doesn't want to have to take the blame if it does go awry. So he's content to be hidden until it is a success. And then he will gloat. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I don't believe that he thinks it can go awry. I think he's waiting to pull the big gloat on Niles after it goes well. Okay. The, 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 the big question, though, for me is why is Daphne hiding it from Niles? Like The big question for me is why is that pantry so big and so empty that Frazier can full stand in it no problem? What and then there on? is another, there's a back door yeah. that leads to some kind of mudroom or something. Yeah, also why does an apartment 
apartment have a back door? I thought it was to like a secret elevator. I don't know. It's a really nice apartment. They refer to the back door a lot. It's like, where are we? Can I can I say something? And Ryan, you're the only one that really can answer this question. Sure. So let's say you were having a dinner party. And let's say your your mother's mother was a very obnoxious English woman who you know is going to cause issues. Why wouldn't you send her away or get her out of the house instead of just telling her to go upstairs and thinking that would be a good idea? I wouldn't send her upstairs. I thought that was a mistake. I can't make that any different than the rest of you because I don't have an obnoxious British mother. In-law. In-law. But no, why would they just send her upstairs? It's, a great, it's a great question. I, yes. Terrible maneuver. And also, like, I didn't really believe that she would be as contained as long as she was. That didn't make sense to me. Every time they made her carry someone else's coat, I was like, this bitch is getting her revenge at some point. <laughs> I, I, I was like, this is this, this is not going to get forgotten. I think it largely did, though, right? Well, she got her revenge, just not intentionally. Yeah. I loved the weird water bill collection bit is it true that you still collect edwardian utility bills oh yes they're fascinating for example did you know that sir arthur conan doyle was a notorious water hog but you don't have to take my word for it where it's like yeah rich people do have weird stuff going on and they'll just be happy to talk about it sometimes well and he he brings that up on the way to a tour of the library which really confused me because a big centerpiece of this set of his apartment is that he's got like an entire back wall full of books he's also got a library yeah talk about fraser being jealous it was very jealous that i did not get to see the library it does feel like you could just give a tour of the books they wanted to be there for a while right isn't that wasn't that the point of what we were doing did you see the woman's face when they got back from the tour it did not go well which is why you make the water bill collection joke yeah that's the other thing she brought it up she brought it up and he did, she did not like the answer Niles gave her 20 minutes later that is confusing we talked about the library what they also mention a secret passageway they mention a panic room this sounds like a fascinating apartment i really want to be there yeah i feel like if this sitcom was on now they do like a special like youtube version of showing the apartment tour but it, unfortunately we're not going to get that because it's 2003 still curtis i mean we could we could make it we could make that youtube video curtis <laughs> no no <laughs> <laughs> It's not how that works. You don't get to just say my name. I'm not a genie in a lamp that you found. How many more wishes do we get? I love the idea that you got a genie. You could wish anything and you wished for a Fraser <laughs> podcast. No, we wish for a YouTube video. Actually, that's what it is. That's what it is. You wanted to be internet famous. That's what you probably said. And then because it's a genie and they're kind of tricksters, it backfired on you and what you got was a Fraser podcast. <laughs> The first continues with Marty bringing Frazier's ramekins, then getting mistaken for Mike Shaw repeatedly. Describe your favorite ramekins. Go. I didn't even think that's what a ramekin was. I thought ramekins were those things that had you put like soy sauce in at sushi places. I didn't think they were like soup bowls. What's amazing is you made the same mistake Marty did in this episode. <laughs> As a person who owns ramekins, he is very correct when he calls it a nut dish. I loved uh, I loved Frazier's rules of ramekins, where it's like you can have all different. They all have to match, or you can have sets of twos. Anything else is insane. What I liked is that Frazier was so passionate about it, he made sense, and he delivered. He knows what he likes, he knows the rules of the ramekin, and he wanted to share it. The rules of the ramekin, I like that. In all the the chaos of this episode, one thing that I really enjoyed was the way they get the actual painter of the painting to come, but Niles doesn't know he's there. Some of the guests do, but not all the guests. They quickly whisk whisk the, the guests who met him away. They have a babysitting issue. Everybody knows the artist is there, but they don't actually know what he looks like. So when Marty shows up in... 
kind of vaguely similar type of person and clothing, they assume Marty is the artist. And it, I think it all works really well. Yeah, I would say this is probably one of the few times where I would say the writing was smart. Yeah. It was smart and it was thorough. Make sure to write that down for the nominations. Art, you get that? You don't think that the rich snobs would know what the artist looks like? I took him as sort of a recluse. Like he's yeah. he's not he's not out there. He just puts out the paintings and doesn't show up to galleries or anything. So I, I got the impression they wouldn't. Like Banksy. Isn't it weird though that then, then they assume that Marty is him? Well, I think it's weirder that they're regulars at these parties. They know them well enough to know that it's always Frazier and Niles, but they've never seen Marty. Marty's never been even, he's never run out to get a beer during the party, you know. Well, I think, A, Marty stays in his room, and B, wasn't there a joke in the first scene about Marty, like, being a character? He, like, came out in costume, and they were like, it's too late, Dad? Yes, yeah. He he was an integral part in this episode to one of their parties. And also, there was another party we see in a few episodes from now where, where he's doing the bank thing, where he's like dressed in a tux for the party. He's invited to that party. So he's not like he's never invited. Just seems odd. Well, he was just a real character in this one that people were like, we got to get that that crazy guy back. Could be. He's started getting the invites from this episode on. Yeah. I wrote good form tackle, Daff, and I don't know who she tackled. Oh, yes, oh yes. yes. There's a bit throughout the episode that one of the snotty couples wants to see the picture, but because they can't see the picture, she at first is like kind and nice about it. Like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to show you the picture oh yeah and, and then she gets progressively more mean to that guy <laughs> and to the end where she literally hip checks him out of the way yeah because they they have to cover the painting because the painting yeah. is not there the painting is off getting restored i get the early like oh i really want to see it but like after you've been told no a couple times like what are you doing bud go party like knock it yeah. off i if anything it makes me like super excited I'd be like okay like they're really putting thoughts to this maybe there's going to be a surprise and there was multiple i mean this is one of those high society guys they would invite to one of these parties i am sure he's just a selfish asshole yeah true you got gert who is not really invited to the party and is just trying to watch pay-per-view up in her bedroom boxing pay-per-view boxing boxing. that's important and she hits it off right away with this this painter he's he's not really into these pretentious fucks he wants the gert fucks and so he goes up to her bedroom (laughs) i did like that she can't figure out how to get a boxing pay-per-view but it's not nearly (laughs) it's so much harder than getting a porno which shocked they made that joke on a broadcast television sitcom so that made me happy she is getting pay-per-view and she's apparently getting it by being on the phone like yeah i thought she was holding the remote when she came downstairs but then daphne puts it to her ear and talks to somebody i was like whoa is that how you got pay-per-view i I can't it's been too long i never did pay-per-view but i can't think i can't imagine it being that difficult obviously people did boxing pay-per-views all the time that was like the way to watch boxing there's no way they made it like it's not like it was working like trying to do a bank phone tree that they were working through. Roz tries and fails to rush the art restorer. Marty holds court as Mike Shaw, declaring all art crap. I'm not gonna lie, kind of forgot that the uh, Roz thing was happening until they saw her again. And I was like, oh yeah, we are waiting for that. Do you, who, what mouse do you think he was thinking of? Who do you think I am? That mouse in the cartoons that goes fast? What's his name? <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez? No. That is a um, great question. It's uh, all the fast mice I know. Uh, Mickey's not really that fast, right? Can I cover Mickey real quick? Yeah, yes, let him, please. Comes off a lot in my life. Because you have one child and another on the way. He's really good at everything. He owns okay. the whole town. Like Everything's named after him. Mickey has exactly one weakness, and it isn't racing. There's a whole series on racing. He does just great. He usually wins. The only thing Mickey can't do is surf for some reason. Interesting. Okay. Mice and water. That makes sense. It's just yeah. logic. So, Curtis. <laughs> 
Dennis, to answer your question, we have no idea. We're not the, and we can't answer you. I'm sorry. I, I, I also love the way Marty is kind of enjoying being the center of all these pretentious art people. What do you think of Warhol? Crap. Keenholz. Crap. 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 And then he gets to go on a tour with all of Niles' art. So he can just call all of it crap. He's so excited. Yes. Yes. The attitude's right. I don't think a snooty art snob would say the word crap, but they definitely would like imply it. An art snob wouldn't, but an artist might. They they believe him to be the real deal. So they're enamored with whatever he says. And they probably find his like clothing and his folksy manner charming. Yeah, probably. You're probably right. Frazier is found out and fights with Niles, who ends ends up covered in red sauce. Marty offers the painting's veil to clean him up, which exposes the fraudulent painting. Before Daphne can explain to the guests what happened, her mom and Mike Shaw literally crash the party. Okay, the whole time, even though I knew this episode was going to end with some like crazy, like, the reveal, I was like, what if he just never knows that Frazier's there? That's why they've never talked about this, because, like, it just never comes out. That would never have happened, but that thought definitely went through my mind. It would. I think it would have been a fun choice to not reveal it. To not reveal it at all. And, like, yeah. That's not how you write TV, but... No! I would have enjoyed it. Did we talk about the bed? Oh my gosh. I mean, well, before we do, before we do, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the chaos of the fight. So, uh, this, again is where they've got simmering on the stove for quite a while this sauce that they're reducing. And it <laughs> covers Niles' body and face. He is covered in this red sauce. And it is not even hot to the touch, um, which is ridiculous. Um, but then he walks out. It looks like Frazier is murdering him. And Daphne, to calm them, and like, no, no, it's not a murder. He grabs some of the sauce and, and eats it and makes everybody think she's just like a vampire. It's great. That, that legit had them leave. That's what they were wanting to leave when, when they saw her do that. And we, we should also give, you know, we, we talked about how great it was for Daphne to be the center of attention. He gives such a great little speech. Listen, yes, there's been some deception and things got out of hand, but no real harm has been done. This night can still be a success. We've got the food and you're all here and... When I tell you about what happened, we'll all have a good laugh about it. So please, everybody stay. And she succeeds. They're all ready to, like, stick around. Until... (laughs) So what were they doing at the start of the episode? Weren't they just hanging a light? They were hanging a chandelier. The implication is that they were doing some kind of work on the ceiling to get it hung, presumably because they had to rush because they were like, it's late. We'll finish this tomorrow. And Daphne's like, no, you'll finish it today. So they weren't like eager to do a top job. They just wanted to get it done. So like that's kind of the justification for why the entire ceiling collapses. Yeah, if if the chandelier comes down, fine. I that makes yeah. sense what we set it up for. The whole bed coming down is a f- absolutely like you have to think that these guys were told they have to work past four, which is a weird end time for the record. But they were told <laughs> they have to they told they couldn't work, they had to keep working past four. So that you have to kind of assume they like cut out some structural points in the in the floor or something. Yeah, you gotta assume some kind of sabotage took place at that point. Because to have a whole bed crash through is bananas. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, it doesn't make any real logical sense. I can completely forgive this bit, though, because A, I was truly surprised. I was ready for the chandelier to come down. When the whole bed comes through the, the ceiling, that surprised me genuinely. 
And I think it was hilarious. I thought it was a very funny bit. And one of the parts that I liked is the bed falls, and then they start handing out the jackets to people. Yeah, it's such a good little note. Like, they were leaving the jackets on the bed like you do at a party. Yeah. And and that's where the coats were. Classic party move. Yeah. And and then, of course, they all want to leave, and their coats are right there. What a great service. It's just, it's such a nice little bow. And we hear, before it falls down, we hear the creaking, cracking of those two kind of going at it, which is also hilarious. It was like, it was like a one thrust that broke that, that broke the floor. Honestly, he's got to be feeling pretty good, I think. Or she. (laughs) I don't know who was the aggressor, but good on him. I also liked that they didn't really address, because it was the end of the episode and it didn't matter, but they didn't address that he was the real Mike. You know, they just like didn't even talk oh, yeah. about it. Well, they didn't have time because they were yeah. probably thinking about how they didn't die. Like, it's an apartment. Someone should have been absolutely toast. Also, it's weird that this is a two-floor apartment. I mean, yeah, if this is Game of Thrones, somebody would have died, but it's Frasier, so. Could have killed off Eddie right here. Could have saved us some of the problems. I don't think two-floor apartments are that crazy. I mean, this is a sprawling first floor that we've seen like we've been in a lot of rooms already it's wild that there's also a second floor yeah i guess that is true it probably was not cheap it better not be cheap frazier plays us out with niles yelling through the hole in the ceiling for his briefcase which swiftly gets thrown down to him yeah i kind of like that they just went about their lives like it was just there in the scene i mean i don't i don't think that this is like weeks later and they're still like i think this is just like the next morning he has to go to work if they would have kept that through season 10 that would have been amazing oh god could you imagine that would have been so funny for you if you just watched it so what is this apartment <laughs> i mean you never see the ceiling yeah but i wish the bed was just there yeah god that would have been a whole episode of you trying to figure out what the hell that was i lost my mind yeah (laughs) what can you imagine can you imagine in today's landscape of television with arcs where you know episode two picks up where episode one left off if you watched a show where it ends with a a ceiling collapsing and a bed going through it and the next episode doesn't even hint at that having happened. <laughs> they just hey, move on. How did the bed thing go? <laughs> Never covered it. <laughs> yeah, that, that was wild, actually. Well, Brad, was this a good episode? Yeah, so I actually really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was uh, funny. I thought the plot, even though it was a little over the top, it made sense for our characters. I felt like they used some of the lady characters or women as they're called nowadays uh, much better than they have in previous episodes. So I'm going to go ahead and give it an A, an A. I'm going to give it an A. A double A, Kurt. That's good. That's it. That's a good score. It's a great score. Curtis, what does the great mind Mr. Sheck have to say about this episode? Yes. Yes, great mind. I think that there are some really big laughs for me in this one. There are some silly logistical things, um, but those are easily forgiven for what I think is both very funny and uh, so much, so many intricate things happening to make all of this farce work. And it all holds together really well. This is classic Frasier in terms of it being a farce and the dinner party thing, which we already addressed, even though we haven't seen a lot of it yet. This feels very Frasier. And I thought hard about this one because, especially with the last episode we saw, sorry, Brad, um, this feels like season 10 is on its like high watermark. And I got to tell you, I'm as surprised as anybody, but I, I shot this one up to number two on this list. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Not as high as High Holidays. I still have a special place in my heart for High high Marty. But um, I think this beats this bed beats out the Cotton the Act bed. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's surprising. But I, 
I just didn't expect it at all. It was so shocking when that bed showed up and everything about it was funny to me. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, do you agree or disagree? What do you got? I mostly agree. I think you guys are going a little too high with it. It it definitely doesn't still beat out the, that, that whole bit. If we ever come across an episode where you say that has been dethroned, I will be utterly shocked because that was, I will be not too, just, yeah. it was not just an episode you really, really liked, but it was like the moment where you kind of decided this show ha- could be good. Like that's I feel like you have a sentimental feeling for that episode. I think you're right. Yeah. It had a potential that I would never have guessed. Yeah. And, but the nice thing about this episode is the rest of it isn't as, cause I didn't like a lot of that episode, uh, which maybe right. in colors that seem even crazier, but this one definitely much better. It starts off really strong, which usually in Frasier is actually bad. If we start out hot in an episode, usually it cools off pretty quick. And this one doesn't. This one maintains okay stuff all throughout and ends really strong. So you got to give it top marks there. The only I, there's there's bits I wouldn't have done. There's like I they lean on Gertrude and Marty a lot which, you know, I never particularly love. But for the most part, Niles great, Frazier's great. This is easily, easily the best Daphne. It's not a, a particularly great Roz episode, but it's she doesn't hurt. Uh, unfortunately, I saw Eddie the dogs don't even start with your bullshit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's getting a nine too. Definitely. Nice. Great episode. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, when I was deciding where to rank this, I definitely thought about how much of that um, episode of Horny Metcalf just like the episode didn't hold together as well as the finale of it. Whereas this one, I think beginning to end is just firing. It is weird that in some of my favorite bits, there's a, there's a bed in the ceiling. That's very strange. Now, Gertrude and Mike Shaw were not in any way in a state of undress. They were fully clothed when they fell through. Huge but, mistake, right? But beds and states of undress is the theme. Like the best episodes we have seen have had naked characters or both, beds or both. More undressed, and it was just a porno. Obviously, we would have raised the scorecard. Obviously, <laughs> we've seen how disastrous the crane dinner party can be. But how would we do tonight? We're going to design a dinner party for twelve guests. We don't want for you, the audience, to get caught with your pants down. Like if you agree to host a dinner party out of spite, but you turns out you don't know how to host a dinner party. We wanted to give you a template, something for you to work with. That way, you it's Saturday night, you don't know what to do. Just turn on this pod, run it back, and we'll we'll walk through everything you can do throughout the night to have the best possible dinner party one could have. I'm excited. I'm excited to give our our audience a template. Yes, this is the official the reverse psychology dinner party template. Yeah, with that, I think one of the the most important things is that this is a dinner party. We're focusing on dinner. We want to make sure food's involved. So, Kurt, I believe you prepared some hors d'oeuvres for us. Uh, Sorry, what do you call me Kurt? We're not the captain of the Enterprise. My name is Mott. <laughs> I think I said your name right, but in case I didn't, Captain Kurt. I'm uh, I'm the barber. What are we working with on the Adora front? A word I definitely didn't say correct. Well, like, this is this is not a have some friends over for some beer and spaghetti. This is a dinner party, Fraser Crane style. So it's got to be fancy. We've got to go. We've got to elevate what we're doing. I thought, how about some squid ink cotton candy bruschetta bites? I fucking love it. Tell me what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So you you, you the, the ingredients here are some cotton candy, obviously. Uh, squid ink. I was to say, so far, so far, the only word I'm really comfortable with is cotton candy. 
candy. Uh, yeah. And then you get these little mini toast. Uh, they're like bruschetta rounds you can get. Yeah, they're hard crackers. Yeah, little hard crackers. So uh, you take a small amount of the squid ink, uh, mix it with some water. Do you, I'm sorry, do you have a squid or do you just have a jar of ink? How do you? They sell squid ink. That's the thing you can get. It, what, in like aisle eight of the grocery store? What do you mean? You go to the like pan Asian section. You go to the squid the squid ink section of the You might aisle. have to go to a specialty store. I don't know. You use the ink to basically... Uh, dip the edges of the little mini bruschetta rounds. I'm into. sorry, are, are the, is the squid ink in a ramekin? Absolutely. You got to put it in a nice little <laughs> ramekin. Okay, perfect. <laughs> animals here. And they better match, frankly. Okay, that's good. And then you just very daintily put a small tuft of cotton candy on top of each one. Now, what type of cotton candy? It's also going to be black. We're going to have... Oh, yeah. We're not. This is not a little kid's birthday party. This is this is a fancy affair. I want for the record. I'm genuinely excited that you said that. That threw me off. I wasn't ready for it. Is that enough? Oh my god, you nailed it. That's okay. We can just stop right there. You guys are set up for an amazing dinner party. I was also going to say, have a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos still in the bag and. <laughs> And some bacon wrap dates. Those are the things I, I have at every party. Fair enough. Well, all right. So we, we've got the hors d'oeuvres. Obviously, what a talking piece. These Everyone's going to lose their minds with these. What was what the dish called? They're called squid ink cotton candy bruschetta bullets. Nope. Okay. I, I actually do like calling them bullets. But you, was, did, oh, bullets. I was supposed to say bites, but I'm changing it now. It's officially called the squid ink cotton candy bruschetta bullets. Oh, the squid ink cotton candy bruschetta bullet. Uh, what, what a show piece. I... Maybe we made a mistake here, but let's let's see. So, Brad, let's go over and check with you. You're handling tonight's entree. So, so what do we got? The entree, you know, it's going to be like two parts. It's going to start off with a hearty bowl of New England clam chowder. And it is going to go with one of my favorite high-class dinners that I've made at plenty of dinner parties that I've hosted or catered. As, you know, we said earlier, catering is a job I could easily do. I went with orange glazed duck. Okay. Or duck so, a la orange is like a perfectly reasonable thing to have at a fancy dinner party, but you called it an orange glazed duck, which sounds low class as fuck. Do you use orange crush to make it? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the dish a little bit. One, I couldn't remember the name. Dick, duck, duck, gosh damn it. Let's try that a bit again. Duck a la orange. So I just went with the corny version, hoping none of you guys would recognize that. And two, I'm classy as fuck. Can you give us a little bit how to make a duck a la orange or, a, or orange duck pieces or whatever you described it? Yeah, so I got you. So you can get your ducks at lots of different stores and markets. I got a back-end guy named Billy Bob. He gets me my ducks. And if you use the the code reverse psych pod, how much off do they get from Billy Bob? They get 13.4%. It's <laughs> a great discount. Yeah. Anyway, so you get the orange duck and you got it paired nicely with the New England clam chowder. Is that what you said? Yeah, the New England clam chowder. Now, why have you paired the two together? Why? What's happening here? Spoiler alert. The reason why it's the New England clam chowder is because you have a coupon to Panera for enough New England clam chowder to buy without even having to do anything else. So there you go. I'm sorry. What do you mean? Hosting this dinner party also gets you a coupon to Panera for New England clam chowder. Brad, you are signing a check we can't cash. What, what are you talking about? How are we? What getting- do you mean? Do you mean if they text us, we'll send them a coupon? What are you talking about? No, no, no. In this phase, go to Panera.com and type in code <laughs> Reverse to get your coupon for unlimited clam chowder from Panera. Who they don't even have a clam chowder. Please. Please don't sue us, Panera. They won't. (laughs) 
<laughs> Actually, we could use the publicity. Yeah, sue us, whatever. Do we try to get sued? Is that how we're going to get it big? No, no, we're just going to give people unlimited clam chowder from Panera. I can I can just imagine my local newspaper saying, local podcast legend gets sued by Panera. By the way, if I'm, if I'm picking where I'm going to order my New England clam chowder, I'm definitely going to go to the St. Louis-based bakery. Yeah. I do think it's funny, though. If you, like, if you do want to support the pod, just go to go to Panera and just order a New England clam chowder. See what happens. Yes, again, anything that's going to get us publicity. All right, so, so an orange duck paired nicely with a New England clam chowder from Panera. Yeah, yeah, Thankfully, yeah. the coupon was there. Yeah, can I tell you about my orange sauce? Yes, please. Yeah, so I, I take two weeks to make my orange sauce. Every day, I practice for a week just pressing oranges just to get that zest, okay? But none of that gets there. It's really about my getting my hands zesty, getting them ready. And then a week <laughs> out, a week out, I start making my orange zest. You might be saying, hey, Brad, how do you make it so good? What I'm asking is, hey, Brad, do you know what orange zest is? Because it sounds like you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Are you recommending people to get their hands zesty? Where they should be practicing juicing. Then you'll get the that zest inside you. What? <laughs> no. What? No. You'll be zesty for days. All right, I'm now genuinely confused. Are you using zest as in like uh, the adjective being like, oh, I have a zest for life? Or are you talking about orange zest? Because I really am lost. Yes. All right. <laughs> okay. So once you get your orange zest into your orange juice, then you're going to take just a small bit of sugar, baking soda, and and baking soda is a secret, but you also want to take a what little bit. What do you mean bit, it's a secret? What do you? You, you want to take a little bit of baking grease and you want to just mix it into your orange zest and into your what? orange juice. Okay. And then you take that put some brown sugar in it, uh, mix it around a little more, and then you put it on your orange. I mean, on your duck. <laughs> then you put it on your duck. Once you are done, you put the ducks in, a, in the oven for four hours at 400 degrees. When they come out, you take a very burly man like myself. We take the ducks, we run them around the house on our hands just to get them going a little bit. Run them know? around the house? Yeah. What do you mean you run them on your hands? Yeah, you, you stick your hands up uh, up the duck. You stick the your other <laughs> hand up the other duck. You run around. You get them going a little bit. And then you cut it. And you're ready to eat your duck. What do you mean you get them going? What? What? Traditionally, when you're cooking poultry, after it comes out of the oven, you want to let it rest for a bit. You're saying, no, no, no. Don't rest it. Run it around. Literally the opposite. Work it out. You want that party duck. Ah, I do want that party duck. I do want that party duck. I want I want that party duck. Oh, okay. Thank you, Brad. That was that was more than I expected. You're very welcome. Okay, well, I, I was handling dessert, and I'm going to keep it very simple because you guys have classed it up. You've done more than anyone could have ever expected, especially you, Bradley. Thank you. So to, to keep things simple for dessert, something everyone likes, a little restaurant cake for all your guests. Oh. oh. You stayed on theme. I, that's smart. You stayed on theme for the Frasier. Little, cho- little chocolate restaurant cake. We don't, have to, we don't have to get too crazy. We can just relax. Can I, can I ask three questions? Yeah, of course. You can ask two. Is the frosting also, what, what type of frosting is it? Chocolate. It's a chocolate cake with chocolate frosting? Uh, yeah, it's restaurant cake. Yeah, that's what they do. Okay, wonderful. Is the cake frozen or is it just taken right out of the refrigerator? No, you go to a restaurant like right before the event and you just order it and then you come back and you distribute it. Like it's pretty, it's warmish by the time we get through the duck. Who picks the restaurant? You, the host, will Okay. Pick. Your guests don't know that they're going to get restaurant. They're going to get delightfully surprised by it at the end. 
Ah, fair enough. Okay, cool. After after a whirlwind of taste from their guests. Great. I was really wondering if if Brad was going to keep asking questions, but he asked his three and then he stopped. So yeah, good counting. Yeah, I can count. I'm smart. You did great. All right, guys. Well, we've handled the dinner obviously masterfully. Great job, shockingly, to all of you. Time to party a little bit. So, Kurt, we need to we need to loosen up a little bit. We need to relax. We need some drinks. What's what's the drinks for the evening? Obviously, I'm a man who likes a theme and uh, not knowing the theme to the party overall i just decided to make a theme between the drinks and the appetizers so I, i'm sorry time out time out. There's the chances that there's a theme that makes any sense with the appetizer you said is zero so i'm very excited well uh i'm gonna make a whimsical cocktail called the ink and fizz fiasco mm, stand corrected you start with black vodka is that a which thing? i googled it because i was not sure either <laughs> Uh, this is one of those things where you're like, is ChatGPT giving me real information or making things up? But it is a real thing. Black vodka. I don't know what's in it. I didn't look that closely. Add to that some lemonade or a lemon lime soda, if you like. Uh, we're going to throw in some edible glitter for some sh- shimmering. Yeah, obviously. It says in the recipe that this is optional, but I really don't think that it is. I think it's required. Um, You get yourself some dry ice to make a nice dramatic effect. A little smokiness on top. Oh, oh. yeah, I think we're going to say this is not optional. This is a mandatory yeah. part of the template. So the dry ice sits under the drink. I think you can just put it in the drink and it just wouldn't that lose, will. Wouldn't that lose the, wouldn't it become wet ice at that point? It becomes smoke. Does it if it's in water? I don't know that. Yeah, I think it skips right from solid to gaseous. I don't think it goes through a liquid phase. Oh. I think that's the whole thing. Whole oh, point. cool. I don't think that's how it works, but I will try it. I'm excited, man. What do you, what'd you call that? The, the black ink and fizz or whatever? The ink and fizz fiasco. Why is it a fiasco? Well, I think fiasco is not what you want to think of when you're trying to throw a successful dinner party, but we're trying to throw a successful Frasier dinner party. So fiasco is very fitting. So you did keep on theme. Exactly. <laughs> All right, great. Brad, we, we turn to you for the most important part. You did yeah. a great job with the entree. You need, really, if people aren't still talking about that duck and the zest for life that they have, then they're going to have to, you're going to have to bring them home with the entertainment. So what are we doing tonight? Look, entertainment's great. You can go in so many different directions with it. A lot of people, like like to bring in a magician, for instance. Okay, I'm not going to pick a magician. So sidebar, when you say a lot of people like to bring in magicians, well, what do you think the percentage is? Over 60. 60%? He means the over 60 crowd. They love a magician. Here we go. As you know, everyone loves magicians and anyone can bring in a magician. But most people that host dinner parties, they're a little pretentious. They're a little snotty. So what's the pretentious version of a magician? A mentalist. So we're going to oh, bring in a mentalist it. for this party. Wait, 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 wait. Point of clarity. Are you bringing in a mentalist or the mentalist no i'm not bringing in simon baker for the tv show the mentalist <laughs> i try to give you credit courtney that was not an edit he really knew that name no my point is a lot of these people come to the party might hear mentalist and might think of simon baker so this it might help my case to get them in the mood for the mentalist oh so, so when they leave here they can go watch the mentalist yeah or just like you know think possibly about mentalist <laughs> Ryan, I, I don't want to step on your toes. I know you were in you charge of party favors coming up, but um, you might want to consider DVDs of The Mentalist as the party favor. If we can find 12, I'll, we'll, we'll go for it. <laughs> they only manufactured 11. Kudos to Bradley for actually being good at this game. <laughs> you guys are doing surprisingly well. I'm sorry. Who, so who's The Mentalist you brought in? I, I got lost in your amazing accent. I didn't think I had to say the name of The Mentalist. Let me just Google well, how did you How did you source them is the question. For, remember, we have to provide this this service to people. I'm pretty sure in any community you could Google 
Mentalist, and there's probably like one, maybe two. That seems high, right? I don't think that's true. <laughs> if you're in the greater Nevada area, that might be true. I don't think that's, I don't think cities across the country, you can do that. I have to redo my Google search because every time I put in the Mentalist, Simon Baker comes up. So <laughs> I need to. Just find his address. Maybe just tell us where he's at. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> there's an old saying about, will it play in Peoria? Basically, it just means, uh, will middle America like it? So I looked up Mentalist in Peoria to see are there any and yep. you can get a guy named phenomenal phil well i stand corrected phenomenal phil we'd love to get you on the podcast so and if you're looking to spice up your dinner party phenomenal phil is available in the middle of america ryan what type of party favors yeah so of course you want to end a party you want to thank your guests for coming obviously you provided them this amazing experience but you want to leave them one lasting memory that they can be like man what a night i've prepared 12 brown bags you can kind of fancy it up if you want maybe like draw some stuff on there maybe they're like the initials of your guests whatever monogram it or just leave them brown bags doesn't matter and there's 12 of them so you got six of them are going to have 20 percent off coals and six of them are going to have five to ten dollars depending on your budget of coals cash so they end up with like this amazing game where they're like oh am i getting the discount or am i getting the cash and then they obviously can walk out and you know buy some stuff i'm sorry is this a uh like a, a tupperware party is this no this is to help you out with the logistics normally for a dinner party you buy some stuff you're like that's not going to work for the dinner party so you take it back to Kohl's they give you either the cash or the discount you do that 12 times then you finally set on what you want now you got your party favors so you're all set do you uh, serious question do you get to keep Kohl's cash if you return the thing what is this a flaw in their system <laughs> what do you think Kohl's cash is it's just like a coupon for that it's like five dollars off of whatever right no it's no it's just five it's five dollars you can only use exclusively in Kohl's right when they give you Kohl's cash you don't get to keep it if you return the thing or do you no, but if we just redistribute these, then people will continue to drink for free. Okay. How does this work? You only get Kohl's cash for returning stuff to Kohl's. But yeah, you <laughs> get to keep the Kohl's cash. What do you mean? Like if you buy things at Kohl's, they give you Kohl's cash. And you think that if you return something from Kohl's, they're like, remember when we gave you $10 of Kohl's cash? Give us it back. If that's not the case. Then I could just buy hundreds of dollars of product, return all of it, and then use the hundreds of dollars of Kohl's cash they've given me to, to get something for free. How much fresh cash did we make? Fresh cash. Yes. Uh, well, zero. Zero if you're talking about U.S. currency. People didn't really seem interested in spending any of that no because you already paid for that stuff no, but i returned it they don't give they don't give you a dollar for dollar on Kohl's cash for what you return they'll give you like if you return two hundred dollars of stuff they'll be like oh here's five dollar Kohl's cash for the trouble <laughs> this is a stupid argument but i'm just saying if they're giving you Kohl's cash not for the return but giving you Kohl's cash for the buying of a thing yeah then if you could just buy lots and lots of things return all of it and just be collecting Kohl's cash we have no money and no inventory inventory there's still something we can do. That's still a business somehow. Guess what? That's what they want you to do, man. Yeah. And then you get in there and you're like, ha, I'm going to gain the system. And then you're like, oh, but shit, I want that card again. I will buy it. And oh, I don't have enough Coast Cash. Now I'm going to spend real money. Ah, shit. Thus creating the self-sustaining economy we've been looking for. That's right. Yeah, you could only use a certain amount of Coast Cash at a time. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that's true, but. All right. Well, that's more than enough Coast Cash talk. <laughs> is there a, is there a uh, capper to this bit? Sometimes things just sort of end. I think that was the capper of the bit. Yeah, what do you mean? They got to learn how close cash works. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Great dinner party. And for all of you, we thank you for attending, but you're also welcome. You can use this anytime and just uh, hashtag us or whatever. Reverse psych pod, hashtag dinner party. Ryan, why don't you tell us what we can expect next week when we cover the previous episode at season 10, episode 13, 
Lilith needs a favor. Uh, yeah, it's Freddy time. Lilith stops by to ask Fraser to watch Freddy for the weekend so that she can tear it up at a psychiatric seminar. I love that you think they put Lilith in the title of the episode so the episode will focus on her <laughs> being away and instead Freddy is the focus. That's great. She's in scene one. All right. And she might, maybe she's in scene nine or whatever we're doing this time. Maybe oh, it's scene God. four. So many, so many what, scenes. Whatever the ending scene is, she'll probably be Scene like, 14B, she returns to pick up Freddy. Frazier, you fucked up our kid. Oh, no. You know, one of those. I hope it's goth Freddy that we get, though. If any of that happens, we'll find out and we'll cover it right here. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for our theme music. Thank you for listening. Go ahead and subscribe or don't. I, you know, whatever. Reverse Psychopod, if you want to email us for myself, for Ryan, and for Brad, you're welcome. You are welcome. Can you sing us into the next bit? No. Did you think about that? That was. I thought for a moment of, could I grant that request? Is it in me to grant that request? The answer is, is just yeah. no. If, if you start saying yes to all of Ryan's ideas, then you have to start saying yes to all of my ideas. And next thing you know, you're ending up living in Belgium. I love this slippery slope fallacy you've invented for yourself. I can say yes to everything Ryan ever tells me to do. It doesn't obligate me to say yes to even one of your things, Brad. I don't think it's the logical next step. <laughs> You say that now, next April, you're doing the podcast live from Belgium.